Welcome to Unlimited Parenting, where we discuss having children with disabilities or special health care needs. I'm your host, Allison, and with me today is a very special guest, Idaho parent and IPOL board member, Valerie. Valerie has generously agreed to share her child's diagnosis story and so much more with us today. So let's get into the stuff and the things. Love it here. Like last time I renewed my driver's license, I did the eight year thing. So I don't, I don't plan on leaving for a while. So, um, I have a bachelor's degree in accounting. And right now I do the billing and insurance for a marriage and family therapy clinic here in Twin Falls. And I've been married to my husband for 16 years and we have four children. And pay attention to the, the ages here because it gets a little crazy. I have twin girls who are 12, and they're going to be in 7th grade. And then we have an 11-year-old son who will be going into 6th grade. And then a 9-year-old daughter who will be going into 4th grade. So that's 12, 11, and then almost 10. So I do have kids that are incredibly close in age. It wasn't exactly planned, but it has worked out. Not Um, only are they so close in age, but you have twins. Yeah, yeah. And then they're all kind of the same height. So people think I have quadruplets when oh, no. <laughs> so we're out walking around. <laughs> and, so, and at this point, I'm just kind of like, yes, I do, basically. So um, the one we're going to be talking about today is my son, the 11-year-old. And he has autism spectrum disorder and also has intellectual disability. And kind of throughout his life, it's kind of, one has kind of been a little bit more obvious than the other right now, thanks to a whole bunch of early interventions whole bunch of therapy um it's actually the autism isn't as noticeable in quotes (laughs) it's kind of more the intellectual disability i think is what if people are interacting with him they're like oh you're not quite 11 oh (laughs) it might be what they notice first (laughs) yeah whereas they're not they're not going to notice like visual spinning or anything that he's doing but the autism is still very much there it's just not the first thing you notice <laughs> as you talk to him. So, um, so yeah, I'm just going to kind of give our interesting little timeline for his diagnosis. Um, I think some parents might really relate to parts of this. I just want to kind of share a regular mom's story trying to figure out what's going on with her kid. No, if I should be worried about this or not. Right. And so, yeah, so, I, I did what you do, and I asked on Facebook, <laughs> and, um, and I had a lot of really good responses from my friends. So I just asked on my own, like Facebook, like page, like me, not a mom's group or anything, but just my actual group of friends. And there were people that said, "Oh, it's fine. My kid did the same thing, and now he never stops talking. Don't worry about it." And there were other people that said, "Oh, you know, bring it up at his next well check. The doctor can screen." And then. Um, other people mentioned, oh, maybe it's time to have him evaluated. But the very best advice I got in this situation was a friend who I think she is a, a speech-language pathologist. And she was like, you need to call up your early intervention. And she even, like, gave me the link. She At the time we were living in Texas, she didn't live in Texas. <laughs> she took the time to Google our like early childhood intervention program in Texas and then dropped the link for me on Facebook, which oh, that's wow. kind of become like, yeah, that's kind of become like my, like 
the way I like to interact with other parents. If I'm giving advice, I'm also giving a link <laughs> because it was so easy to then just click that link and be like, oh, these are the, you know, the qualifications I need to look at. These are where the offices are located. You know, I didn't have to go Google it. So we were in Texas and it was called Early Childhood Intervention. Here in Idaho, it's the infant toddler program, but it's that intervention for kids that are under three that need things, need help with developmental milestones. So I was able to go to an office and do an evaluation with my son, and then he qualified for it, and they sent a speech therapist to our home, and we did therapy at home, which I really appreciated having four kids under the age of four at that time. Yeah, you (laughs) didn't want to go anywhere. Yeah, there was no way we were going anywhere. And the funny story is his little sister, his baby sister, sat in on all the things and she was like making sound progress right along with him. <laughs> so oh, was it two for one? <laughs> yeah. So she made the B sound before he did, which was just hilarious for all of us. Um, so he made progress. Um, he didn't make a lot of progress, but he did make progress. And so I was like, oh, we're going to get this solved. It's great. So fast forward a little bit. Um, my husband was in the military. So that's what we were doing in Texas. He goes to a different um, duty station in Alabama. And so we moved to Alabama and that's where we have my son's three-year-old well check. And I go into that being like, you know, my son also seems to have problems with um, sensory processing. He hated loud rooms. He didn't like to wear shoes. He, in some ways he seemed sensory seeking in some ways he seemed sensory avoiding. And so I wanted to get a referral for occupational therapy for sensory processing. So we go into this well check with a doctor I'd never met before. And he takes one look at my son and is like, have you thought about autism? And I was so offended (laughs) because I was like, you don't know us. Like, What are you even? Right. You know, I was like, you can't just say that. But I think he just learned over time, like, with these military families, I don't know if I'm going to see him again. I'm just going to say what I say and, and let the chips fall where they may. Because he did put in the referral for an autism evaluation. And, you know, fast forward a few months, my son did come back as autistic on that evaluation. And so I was I'm retroactively grateful for that doctor. But at the time, I was very offended yeah maybe maybe some changes in bedside manner yeah I was like um dude what and you know and looking back on it I'm like of course if you put a communication delay with a sensory processing problem like you basically it's like that's autism right but you know I'm I'm new to this whole world I just didn't know so I was really really frustrated that he said it that way but ultimately grateful because he didn't say oh let's wait and see or he didn't say I don't see it you know like he I I do appreciate that he was direct about it he could have been a little little kinder (laughs) right but you were taken seriously so you appreciated that part yeah I did appreciate that part yeah he could have he could have said it better but he I do appreciate it so um at that same time, right before we got the referral, um, or as we were waiting for the referral appointment, you know, because there's always 
there's always a long wait for these. Um, my son started at the developmental preschool, and he could have started when he turned three in the spring, but we were in the middle of the move. So I just had him start in the fall. And so his sisters were in the pre-K-4 program, and then he was in, like, their pre-K-3 program. And it was really cute. They had, like, a pod set up. So they had four pre-K classes all in one big room with just dividers. So all three kids were technically in the same room, and they would go out and play on the playground together. It was actually a really cute little setup that all three of them went at the same time. Um, and he was there kind of on a trial basis. I don't quite remember the terminology, but it was um, based on his speech delay. They were gathering data, and there was all these things that they kind of needed to do. And then I remember at, like, our first um, – oh, what's the name of the, the first IEP meeting? What's the official name of it when you're, like, getting approved for an IEP? Your eligibility meeting? The eligibility, that would be it. Um at the eligibility meeting, we just got the autism diagnosis. And so I remember the, the SPED teacher, you know, being like, well, this is the point where we would be looking at all the data for his speech delay and seeing if he qualified for an IEP. And she's like, but we have the autism diagnosis. So we're just going to, he qualifies. And she like marked a big X somewhere on the paperwork. And I was like, oh, this autism diagnosis is a, good thing because that was like the first time I realized that like oh if you have a diagnosis you get access to resources <laughs> like right. we're opening doors here together yeah and so it was like oh I'm kind of glad we have this <laughs> you know? and so that was that was a, a big moment for me but I was still kind of in denial that he actually had autism I was like oh no you know, because it had been kind of borderline. He wasn't not super severe. And I know that, you know, what, what is severe? What is high functioning? You know, those yeah. are kind of all relative terms. But, you know, even the, even the psychologist who did it had been like, you know, we really could go either way on this. And, you know, but she ultimately did go with the, with the diagnosis. Um, but I was still kind of in denial. Like, oh, no, we're just not my son. (laughs) And it wasn't until, so they did this pumpkin day thing at the preschool and my son didn't want to take the picture on his own. So I was sitting there with him holding the pumpkin and he's crying in the picture. So they send the picture home to me because they send it home to all the parents, you know, and I glance at it. I don't know what it is. I thought it was like the cover of a brochure for parents of special needs. (laughs) So I'm like, why are they sending this home? I don't need it. And then I look at the picture and I'm like, oh, that's me and my son. Yeah, maybe, maybe there actually is a need here. So that was kind of a, another turning point where I was like, okay, this, this is my world. This is our life right now. We're, we're going to do this. All right. Literally <laughs> and figuratively the poster child, right? Yes. <laughs> and, and what's really sweet actually though, is the next year, um, they do this. They did the same thing. They did pumpkin day again. And I went again and he picked up his own pumpkin, sat on the little hay bale by himself, said cheese, you know, like you could see the progress in the two pictures. It's really amazing. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. So, so that, that developmental preschool in Alabama was amazing. Like we just had good staff there. 
they taught him so much. He got so used to being around other kids. Like it really met so many of his needs to be in there. So I just, I, I cannot say enough about like getting kids into those early intervention school programs, like get them in <laughs> as soon as they qualify because they're so good. We were trying to do speech therapy and occupational therapy privately, but we had to drive 30 minutes um, out of our area to go to them. My other kids hated waiting in the, in the, like the break room, not the break room, the waiting room. Yeah. Um, and, and so to have all those services and everything happening at the preschool was just, just life-saving. Yeah. <laughs> it it's a game changer. Wonderful. Yeah. So that was kind of the like initial diagnosis and then acceptance phase. <laughs> and then we just kind of moved on to the, like, how do we manage and, live with this and thrive with this phase, um, which we are, still are in really. But um, because we were a military family, it kind of spans, spans more than just like Idaho. Like we were still in Alabama at this point. So um, I'm going to kind of bridge some of that to get, get us to Idaho. <laughs> so you can kind of see when, when IPOL comes into this. So um, let's see. So we're in Alabama we're doing well. Oh, and he was in ABA in Alabama as well. Um, I don't know if this still exists, but I'm going to mention it in case you have any military families and it still exists. Um, there's a, there was a program, maybe there still is a program called the ECHO program through TRICARE. And another autism mom, because it's always another autism mom. Right. She, <laughs> she told me about it and, um, and she's like, you know, it's going to be a lot of paperwork it's worth it. And yes, it was a lot of paperwork, but it did um, get my son into ABA insurance covered all of it. And we had a really good lady that would come and, and she would work on things at home, but she also took him places. I specifically remember her taking him to McDonald's for French fries and, you know, the French fries were what got him there. But while they were there, they were practicing being in a crowded room and behaving appropriately and things like that. So that was a really good, situation unfortunately we just weren't there long enough to really spend much time with that I think maybe we were with with that company for about six months before um, my husband it was time to move again so yeah with four little kids yeah so we had some progress but then then things came up so my husband ended up leaving the military and we moved in with his parents in Utah and Fortunately, where we lived, the um, the local preschool or the local elementary school had a preschool for fed kids, and then they'd also opened it up to quote unquote regular kids who could come in and, and help you know be be peers with the fed kids. And I think that's just a good example of like where you're giving services to special children with special needs, but other children are benefiting too because they wouldn't have had that preschool without the fed kids needing it exactly Um, preschool preschool isn't really a thing in utah everywhere through the school district and so this was a really special situation for that local school to have that so i don't know how much the other parents knew how much they were benefiting from being in a class with special needs kids but it was a benefit for them and so, so he finished out his 
um, pre-K four year in Utah. And then we had already decided my husband was going to go to school in Pocatello. He went to ISU. Um, but we needed something to do for the summer. And this is just a fun little aside. I ended up getting a job in Yellowstone National Park. And we moved there for oh. the summer and lived, yeah, we lived in a 25-foot RV and, with four kids. Oh, what? <laughs> well, that doesn't sound very fun. But the other part of it, what an experience. Yeah, it was amazing. Like, I worked 40 hours a week, and my husband was like the stay-at-home RV dad. He had our kids out doing all sorts of stuff. And my son was just in heaven. But he never fully understood what Yellowstone meant. He just thought that meant geysers. So we'd oh. be sitting, we lived in Canyon Village. And so we're in the, literally the middle of Yellowstone. <laughs> He's like, I want to go see Yellowstone National Park. <laughs> <laughs> look outside like, your window, buddy. Yeah, look out the window. But he, he was in heaven and loved it. And <laughs> so it was, it was a good experience for our whole family. And then, um, then we moved to Pocatello. And we like moved in days before the school year started. And I'd been in communication with the school and I'd been, you know, sending them the IEP paperwork. I'd been sending them everything I had. And they kind of drug their feet a little bit on acknowledging that they had a child with special needs coming into their school. Um, Knowing what I know now, I think I would have pushed a little bit more, but I, you know, we were, we were trying to move. (laughs) So it was like, whatever, just get them enrolled and, I guess we'll let the tips fall where they may, but I, I kept being like, he's going to need a lot of help. And I, yeah. I assumed that he was going to go at the time. I don't know if they still have it, but they had kind of a magnet school um, for kids with special needs. And I was assuming they were going to have him go there, but they never did. He was always in his like mainstream kindergarten class. And I, I don't know looking back if that was the best move, but it is, what ended up happening that year and we made it work but it was kind of a rough transition for him to suddenly be in like a mainstream class after being in kind of these more um hybrid type situations that he had been in yeah um that being said we loved that school the staff was amazing you know they just I just don't think that I pushed hard enough for his exact needs um so that year was rough <laughs> and uh, because partly because I don't think he was in the right class and partly because at the time Pocatello did the kindergarten every or all day long, every other day. So he oh, would interesting. Go to class. Yeah. It, um, they don't do it anymore, but because now we have all day kindergarten every day now in the state, but at the time that's how they had it set up. And so they did, um, he would go Tuesday, Thursday every week, and then rotating Mondays. So some Mondays he would go, some Mondays he wouldn't. And then when he wasn't at um, at school, he was in daycare. My kids went to the Early Learning Center at ISU, which was fabulous. I cannot say enough about how good that daycare was. Um, but it did make it rough <laughs> because... He would play all day at daycare, and then he would have to go to school the next day and work. And he did oh, not like yeah. that. Yeah, I don't think any kid actually would like that inconsistency, but it was really rough for him. <laughs> and 
Um, so he was just falling apart by the end of the school year. We kind of all were falling apart. I was like, what day is it? Where are you going today? I don't even know. Um, yeah, how do you keep and, track of that? I mean, it was like, it was just insane. <laughs> it was just insane. I don't know how anyone handled it. <laughs> so, um, so, and then at daycare, he was starting to fight towards the end of the school year. And so I was like, okay, I know this kid needs intervention. I know he needs some sort of ADA, probably some speech therapy. He was getting a little at school, but you know, it's not quite enough. <laughs> and, and, but I, between my work schedule, my husband's school schedule, I was just like, I, there's no time to take him anywhere. Like we just didn't have the situation. We didn't have family that could take him to an appointment. We just, we were, if we were on our own. So, um, so I, what, do what you do again. I got on Facebook and this time I was in a mom's group on Facebook. I think it, I think it was Southeast Idaho Autism Moms. We'll give a shout out to that group. Shout and out. I, yeah. <laughs> so I asked them there and I was just like, you know, is there any sort of therapy that will come to the client? Like, you know, they could come to his daycare and maybe pull him out and do speech therapy or they could do ABA at the daycare. Like, I'm like, what yeah. is there? Is, does this exist? How do we get creative? <laughs> yeah. And some mom on there was like, you need to call Eiffel. So that's da, da, da. Oh, oh shout out to that mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is when Eiffel enters the story. And so I called Eiffel and there was a lovely staff lady named Amy with you guys at the time. And she walked me through everything. And I, I was going to check. I'm not sure if I saved the notes that I took, but I feel like I did because they were like that special to me. Like, oh. notes contained answers. <laughs> the holy grail. My handwritten. Yeah. And then she sent me an email with good stuff and links. You know? and oh, yeah. You know how important through. those are. <laughs> Yeah, and so she talked me through um, applying for Children's Developmental Disability Services and gave me, you know, all all the steps and everything. Um, we already had Medicaid, and we already had the autism diagnosis, so we were pretty set. Um, you know, we were like, okay, we got these two things. Um, the problem was, at the time, Liberty, which is the third-party, like, eligibility assessment mm-hmm. um, service mm-hmm. people, they had just taken over the contract. And they were working through, I don't know how many months long of a backlog. So I, I called, I pulled maybe April, May of that year. We didn't even get an evaluation until like August. (laughs) And as we were waiting, I was like, I I remember telling the daycare leader, I was like, I think all of his behaviors are going to be like outgrown by the time we get to (laughs) He's going to be a different kid. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, oh, this is taking a while. But it did eventually um, work out, and he did qualify for everything. So then we got assigned a caseworker who was amazing. Um, I can't say enough about her. She doesn't work there anymore, but her name was Lisa, and she was just the best. She had my back all the time. Any question I had, she'd answer. She was great. And so then... She gave me a list of the providers in the area, and I, I think I called one, and that was the one that worked out. And oh gosh, um, that's lucky. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's possible today, but it was in 2018. <laughs> so, oh, those pre-pandemic um, times, right? Yes, yes. 
So we were able to start doing, um, I never get the initials right, but I know we did HI, we did habilitative intervention, and then there was some other alphabet soup that we were doing. But they were able to send staff to the daycare and start working with my son on like appropriate ways to interact with children when you're in a giant room, you're in a room with a bunch of kids and they're all playing, you know, how do you handle that? And so that was, that was a lifeline. Um, and then they also, um, there was some, they would take him out in the community too. So there was a little bit of work in the daycare and then work in the community. So it was like, Oh, we did it. <laughs> we got it figured out. Also that fall, his first grade teacher was amazing. Like my kids have had good teachers, but she like stands out among, <laughs> among all of them. Going she the worked extra mile. so hard with him. Yeah, she worked so hard with him. And at the time, he wasn't nonverbal around me. Like, I wouldn't have said he was nonverbal. But she felt like he came to her class nonverbal and then started talking <laughs> in class, in her class. So that was huge that, you know, he started talking at school in her class. She also, <laughs> she was like, do you have him on medication because this isn't the kid that was described to me that oh wow in my class because she thought he would be a little bit wilder I guess and I was like honestly it's the fact that he's all day every day now we're not on that crazy kindergarten schedule like he knows what to expect every day yeah consistency he, helps <laughs> yeah so yeah I don't know how anyone handled that schedule. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, oh, one thing I want to say before we move on, I don't want to forget this. Um, my kids were in daycare and we were able to afford it because of the Idaho child care program. Oh which yeah. Which is another oh. thing that I cannot like praise enough. So I do not want to forget to mention that. Um, there is no way I could have afforded to put my kids in daycare without that program so if people are you know doing weighing the pros and cons of going back to work but is it going to be worth it daycare wise look into idaho child care program because it it is a lifesaver and we we can add um, some i i I have a feeling you're going to love this but we can add some links to those resources in the description for this podcast (laughs) Yeah, put the links in. That's just for you. Everybody gets Wonderful. a link. You get a link. You get a link. <laughs> That's great. Oh, I love that. Okay, so we're up to first grade. Um, my husband finishes his program at ISU, and he graduates. Um, he gets a job in Twin Falls, and then I stay in Pocatello with the kids while we're kind of house hunting, you know, between cities. And it's the summer, and I'm like. Okay, I love my son, but he <laughs> requires a lot of attention. He's a fiddler. He has a lot of energy. <laughs> I couldn't just leave him alone. And yeah. I was like, how am I going to solo parent this child through the summer? <laughs> you know? Because by then I'd stopped working. Um, and so the kids were home with me all summer. And I was like, oh, boy, what what are we going to do? So... Um, Enter again, children's DDS. We had, we still had a big budget left over. Um, and so my caseworker was able to throw everything into, um, uh, I never can remember the exact and the uh, alphabet soup of acronyms here, but she was able to throw everything into therapy <laughs> so that my son kind of had the, 
the unofficial daycare <laughs> type of, oh, of okay. intervention. Yeah. I never remember what it's called. But we did 20 hours <laughs> of therapy a week that summer where they had him out doing things. And a lot of times I would meet up at the park with my other kids and then the therapist would bring their, bring my son and we would hang out. And then, and then when he got overwhelmed, they'd go somewhere else. And, you know, it was just nice to kind of have another adult, like just kind of there. Oh, another <laughs> set of eyes and help and everything. Yeah. yeah. Fully responsible for him. And, so, and then I was able to focus on my girls. I remember we made bread one day and I was like, there is no way we could have done this. <laughs> he was here. We love him dearly, but there's no way. <laughs> so, yeah, it wouldn't um, have been edible bread after that, right? Yeah, it wouldn't. I, I don't even think we would have got it in the oven. Like he, something would have happened. <laughs> and then um, he also did extended school year that year, and so oh. he was. He and yeah, which I love that they picked him up on a bus and took him like directly from our house to the school. It was great. So. So that was a, a good solution there too. So between between the twenty hours of service or services and then the extended school year for whatever amount of weeks we did, we, we had that summer covered. So then we moved to Twin Falls in August. We literally closed on our house on the first day of school. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so once again I kind of just dropped this special needs kid into the lap of the school. It was like Hi, here's a lot. Have fun. And I tried, Let me know how it goes. Again, yeah, once again, tried to warn them, but they just didn't quite get it. <laughs> right. So I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and so that was another rough year. Um, we we kind of had a rough time that second grade year. And I feel like maybe we would have figured it all out, but then it was 2020. And we all know what happened in 2020. I think I blacked that so, part out. Yeah, really. <laughs> I think I did too. So, um, you know, all my kids were home. It was tricky. It was tricky to figure out what we were doing with behavioral therapy. Were they here to help with school or were they supposed to take him somewhere? It, we've never really did figure it out. We, every day was an adventure. And <laughs> I can only imagine. And then, yeah, it was hard. And, and of course, you know, we didn't know is is school going to start in April again, or oh, is it going to start May first, or oh, never mind, it's not starting at all. You know, it was just so hard to plan ahead. Oh, it was rough. But um, the good thing that did come out of that time is he had so much time with his sisters that he actually learned how to play pretend. Oh, <laughs> what a big deal! Yeah, yeah, it was a really big deal because he'd never really pretended before, and so to see him you know, playing their games with them. And it was really cute. And it was, it was really good for him. We ended up deciding to homeschool in the like 2020, 2021 year. Yeah. We, because our, our elementary school was going to do every other day and rotating Mondays. <laughs> oh like, no, oh, you've, you've seen that before. I know I hate, yeah. I, was like, I already know I hate the schedule. We're not doing that. <laughs> so, um, so we homeschooled, which I, we all learned I'm terrible. We, the joke is that we discovered I'm more suited for administration than actual classroom teaching <laughs> because I could make a chart and I could plan out what we were going to do. But when it came to actually teaching my kids anything, I was like, I, I don't know how this works. 
So <laughs> it was an interesting year for all of us. You can only imagine. But, um, yeah, because but because we did have a little extra time, um, I was like, you know what? I've wanted my son in speech therapy for a while. I just haven't felt like we've had the time for it. And so I got him into speech therapy about that time. And that was really good to get him doing some speech therapy and just kind of working on, like he could talk, but just kind of working on more like the parts of speech <laughs> that he needed to work on and stuff. So that was good. And then in 2020, 2021, in the fall, we went back to our school and I was really worried because I was like, okay, we never quite had this fully figured out in second grade. And now we're going to start fourth grade after a whole year of him being able to eat corn dogs and have fun whenever he wanted. <laughs> um, so I was really worried. Fortunately, the school had changed principals. Um, and the new principal was really, like, really accommodating. And so I emailed her before school started, and I was like, okay, here are all my concerns. Like, I don't know how my kid's going to handle going back to school. And she had him come over, and she gave him a personal tour of the whole school and reminded Oof. him where the lunchroom was. And, yeah, and had him meet his teacher. And, you know, it was, it was not back-to-school night, so it wasn't crowded. It wasn't busy. Like, it was just perfect. <laughs> so... We got off to a really good start in fourth grade, and then um, fifth grade was also really good. So, so it was kind of rough starting at that school, but when we restarted, I think everything went really well. Um, and really, that's kind of where we are right now. <laughs> like, we we finished speech therapy not too long ago. Um, he started occupational therapy and then finished that not too long ago. <laughs> So um, we're still doing behavioral um, intervention stuff. But even that, I'm kind of like, I don't think we need this as much as we used to. But I'm hanging on to it because I don't know what middle school will bring and what puberty will bring. So I'm like, we'll, 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 we'll keep our spot here. The transitions <laughs> never end. Yeah. So I'm like, well, we'll probably need this, even though at the moment things are good. <laughs> because now he's he's matured a lot. So he can be left alone in a room for a while. He doesn't fiddle with everything and he can interact with people and they, they understand what he's saying. You know, he can be in loud places. He like self advocates like, Oh, I need to remember to bring my headphones, you know? And wow. So yeah, it's really, there's like, I look at this child that I went into the doctor's office with when he was three and, you know, the doctor was like, have you considered autism? And, you know, and and I think about how difficult that three-year-old was. And now I look at my 11-year-old and I'm like, yeah, we're still, we still have the autism. But, like, he has, we've learned how to live with it and how to, how to behave correctly. And it's, yeah, it's and very good. <laughs> would you say that the early intervention really played a pivotal role in that? Yes. Like, I can't imagine if we just done the whole wait and see thing, like, oh, well, maybe he'll outgrow it, or oh, this is just a phase. You know, I, <laughs> I can't even imagine because, yeah, it was so critical to have him in all the various interventions that we had him in throughout his life because they, they, helped him yeah i always say i'm like therapists are miracle workers (laughs) 
they do amazing things. When when he learned how to tie his shoes, I was like, are you kidding me? I, I never thought he would tie his shoes. I thought we'd just do Velcro or bungee cords his entire life. And then within just a few sessions, the occupational therapist taught him how to do it. Yeah, when when you're the parent of an autistic child, the milestones that you celebrate really change. Yeah, <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. I remember the when we first were getting into um, the therapy when he was in first grade. Um, they the lady who did kind of our like goals and everything. She asked like, "What is your?" She's like, what is a long-term goal? Like, what do you visualize? And I remember I said, I'm like, I would love for all my kids to be able to walk to the park without ending up on the news, you know, (laughs) somebody getting kidnapped or or somebody getting hurt or something. And, and at the time I was like, I cannot even imagine that. Like that feels pie in the sky. Well, on Sunday I took a nap. My husband took a nap and one of my 12 year old girls and my son went to the park and came back. <laughs> I didn't even know they went. My husband knew they went, but, but I didn't even know they went until they came back. And I was like, "Wow!" Yeah. Like it happened. It happened. <laughs> so yeah, because of all the intervention and stuff, and and I'm only one person. I can't do everything. Like yeah, I'm the parent, but there's things I can't help my son do. And so to have another adult that comes in with skills. And kind of with a different relationship, too, because I'm his safe space. I can't push him as, as well as some other people with a different role in his life can push him. Sure. You know? And so, you know, like one of his therapists taught him how to tell time on a face clock. Like, <laughs> I couldn't do that. We didn't have that type of relationship. But, but he could learn from somebody else. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, all the therapy, all the <laughs> all the intervention i'm i'm all for it Uh, (laughs) that's kind of our story i don't know if you have any other questions but oh i i also i have one more i'm curious i know your son was very young when you were kind of doing your tour your (laughs) your tour of the united states but I'm curious if there was a big difference in services from state to state or if you didn't really feel that because those weren't accessible to him um, at that time. I I don't know. I was so new to everything. Like even when I went to my first IEP meeting, I was like, "What are we doing?" <laughs> I just had no clue what was available or what the processes were. Um, so I didn't notice a ton from state to state. Um, and really, because we moved right as he aged out of infant toddler, I didn't yeah. know, like, I, I couldn't compare those. Um, the one thing I did notice, <laughs> um, Utah, like, I was a little, the fact that they didn't have a developmental preschool at every, or, you know, at, in every school district, like, super accessible. Um, let me rephrase that. They had one in every school district. They didn't have one at every school and that that was different to me because <laughs> I knew like it, it was just very nice in Texas and in Alabama um that they that they had pre-k as just like a standard and then to go to Utah and Idaho where it's not a standard that actually was kind of a, an adjustment um 
And I think I think a lot of parents, I know I did before I learned differently that I just assumed that the services that are in Idaho were available in every state and vice versa, that we were all the same and we're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and like, I never went through whatever the equivalent to children's DDS is in Utah because I knew we weren't there, going to be there very long. Um, so I couldn't tell you what that process is. Like, so I just, I guess in every state, I kind of had a different need. So I never, yeah. I never really compared. Um, I do have to say that it is, it is nice that there are services like the infant toddler, toddler program throughout each state. Yes. I don't know what they look like in every state, but it is really cool. Like no matter where you are, that does exist. And then the IEPs, even though they're like, they don't transfer specifically, we just have to redo them when we move, but they are legally binding. You know, I could show up in, in Utah with his Alabama IEP and be like, Hey, we got this thing. And they were like, okay, yeah, we know what that is. We know, <laughs> um, we know that he's going to need services. So it, it was nice that those things do kind of have like some standardization. Right. That so there's continuity. To, yeah. So I wasn't going to each state being like, so how do we do it here? <laughs> you know? So I do appreciate that. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening in. If you're in Idaho or planning on moving to Idaho and have any questions about systems or services for children with disabilities, please reach out to us on our website at ipulidaho.org. That's I-P-U-L-Idaho.org. Be sure to come back next time. Until then, I'm Allison, and it has been a wonderful experience talking with Valerie. And this has been Unlimited Parenting. Thanks for listening.